0: Hey guys, before we get to my interview today with Joe here, I want you to head on over to daddevotionals.com slash stacked. There you can pick up your copy of Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. It's by Joe Saul Sehi and Emily Guy Birkin. And one lucky Dad Devotionals listener will have a chance to get a free $25 Amazon gift card. All you got to do, send me a copy of your receipt To daddevotionals at gmail.com. Again, that's daddevotionals.com/slash stacked. Send your receipt over to me, and you'll be in the running to get a free Amazon gift card. Welcome to Dad Devotionals. I'm Dave Domzowski and I am so excited about today's featured guest, Joe Saul Sehai. And yes, I confirmed I got that right. He's the creator and co-host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast, favorite one. It's just awesome. And he co-authored the book that I am holding in my hand right here, stacked. Your super serious guide to modern money management. I love that title. And he's here today to help us help us dads get our financial house in order, guys. It's something we really need to do. As as you know, we're in 2022 now. It's time to step up. Joe, welcome to the show. It is so great to have you, man.
1: Dave, I'm so happy to be here. I mean, I got to tell you, a lot of the stories in this book are from when my kids who are now successful adults, they're 26, but I have twins and man, as a a dad that was struggling with money Mm -hmm. uh, at the time when my kids were young, if there's anybody out there that I can help, I'm so excited to give them a hand because people don't want to go through some of the stuff I went through.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for that, man. I, I, I appreciate that. And I know all the dads listening will, will as well. You know, it's, it, it's a tough time, it, you know, especially right now, but trying to raise kids in a pandemic. <laughs> I mean, go well. figure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you,
1: you had all that on, I mean, not to belabor this point, but but yeah. you had all the stuff that, that dads have now that I didn't have yeah. to all the stuff that dads already, like right now, you know, there's a, there's a woman that I work with uh, Gertrude who has a young son at home and she's playing teacher at home, right? Because their um, school yeah. is out. Yeah. So she's trying to work with stacking Benjamins with our group. Plus she's, she's, she's got uh, the kid at home. And I remember, you know, on days when my, my kids would get sick just for a day or two mm-hmm. and i'm i'm you know in the in the early stages of a career that i'm trying to build a business i'm trying to build where every day and every minute matters but then my kids are growing up and every day and every minute matters to my kids and uh and then you know money's going out every every, every orifice of my body i've got money coming out of it and none coming in
0: amen to that uh,
1: just so much stress during those years that man, yeah, yeah,
0: it, it is, man. Well, I, you know, I, I feel like that's why you wrote this. I mean, it's to help us, us dads out there who need to get our head on straight. So, tell us about the book. Um, you know, what's it about? What are you trying to? What are you trying to really hit on?
1: Yeah. I, you know, the, the, the question I get asked a lot, Dave is, so tell me something hot. And when people first come to money topics, they're like, Ooh, what's the hot thing? What's the new thing? I got to tell you, I read this study by a group called uh, nonfiction, which is appropriate for a group that does studies that it's hopefully nonfiction, <laughs> but, but their, their study was the secret financial lives of Americans. Mm. And they, then they talk about these horrible things that 5% of people report that they have eaten out of a dumpster or have, have eaten food wow. that was considered garbage by other people. Wow. Uh, 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 people report that they've stolen I mean, people really that consider themselves ethical, moral people have stolen because they didn't know where to go for money. But the big one for me that really has always hit home is that more than 150 million people in America report that they've cried about their money. Mm-hmm. And you'd think that this is people like I was, where I was really struggling with money and you know not sure what was going to happen next back in my early, early uh, 20s. But, you know, while... It's, there's a lot of people in that group that are crying. They also report that of the group, $250,000 or more per year, people making $250,000 or more per year, nearly half of those people report that they cry about their money. So clearly- clearly what's hot about money isn't what we should be talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think people are crying about some of the. We, we had a guy I'm from the Brookings Institute on the show recently talking sure. about the future of money. And, and he was talking about how central bank digital currency is probably going to be a thing like that's crypto, but it's crypto administered by the state.
0: Right.
1: That, that that's probably going to be a thing. Yeah. Call me crazy, Dave. I don't think anybody's crying over that. <laughs> I also don't, I also don't think people are crying over the fact that, you know, the backdoor Roth IRA might go, (laughs) might go away. Like that's not sending people to tears. People don't like it, but sure, that's not it. They're crying because even though there's all kinds of money shows out, there's all kinds of money, podcasts, there's YouTube, there's, Mm -hmm. there's books, there's all kinds of stuff. We're still leaving people behind. Yeah. That's why people are crying. They still don't have a financial foundation. So I think we got to take some of the judgment off of it. I know that people, people, the the, the early reviews of our book have been fantastic, but the few negative reviews that we've gotten are that we laugh and screw around too much, mm. and that and that you know our humor is not appreciated when we're supposed to be giving money tips. Well, the, the whole purpose of my brand. I mean, Stacking Benjamins is a brand and the whole purpose of this book was to lower the temperature. And the b- reviews that I love, which is by and large been the huge cascade of reviews mm-hmm. has been that, you know what? I like the fact that this that, that you come in here with no judgment, that, that hey, we all screw stuff up. We even talk about some famous people in history that have totally facepalmed um, and how it's okay. You, you start yeah. from where you are now and then you you move forward. And I think if you go about life with that outlook, versus what I think people expect at first, they expect Dave or Susie or Jim, meaning Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, or or Jim Cramer. Right. They expect people to be a little, maybe a little judgy, a little yelling at them. Somebody that's really good about money that's yeah. telling you that you need to be more like them. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, we're not. We're and by the way, no stank on those people. They, they right. are doing great work. But I think people are that that don't like my work are people that expect that, and that's never what you're going to get from me.
0: No, absolutely not. Well, you know, I think one of the more interesting things that that you noted there is the 250,000 because I, I remember reading stats before that it's like once you hit 75k, I mean you're you're happy, you're good happy. to go, you don't have to worry about money anymore, right? <laughs> right. It's like the money worries right. to only begin as you climb the the ladder, so to speak.
1: Well, and which is interesting because, and I and I love this this vein because this is a great topic about money people don't talk about. This really isn't about money, Dave, as you know, you and I know, because we've had these conversations online before. Absolutely, this is not about money. This is about value, and it's about it's about having your money align with what your value system is. And I think the reason if you're making $250,000 or more that you're crying at night, it's not because you don't have enough money. It's because you know, deep down that the things that you value are not the same things that you're spending money on. And because of that misalignment, you're, you feel like you're wasting time. You're wasting your life. You're wasting your ability to help other people. And so uh, to get those things in line, I think is way more important than, you know, what credit card you're carrying.
0: Right. Right. Well, and you know this this show, Joe. I mean, we're we're focused on on Christian dads here, so we're we're focused on. Hey, you know what? It's okay. You come here with your financial sins. We we get it. We're not yeah. here to judge. But at the yeah. same time, we have to be good stewards of the money that we're provided, and we have to be good stewards of you know how how we do so for our families. So, what are a lot of the things? I mean, you touch on it in the book. We kind of you know glossed over it here a little bit. What are some of the things that we're just getting wrong about? about money management and that, that that's making us cry at night.
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing is, is that we realize that most of us aren't saving for the future. Um, And, and we get a little judgy with ourselves about that because we know that we quote need to, and we hear everybody around us talk about it we see these awesome you know houses people are buying on instagram mm-hmm. these beautiful places or we see this nft craze where people are buying a pixelated monkey for 85 million dollars or whatever the number is and we think why am i not getting a piece yeah. of that yeah. but it really isn't about any of that it's about setting up this foundation and uh, that helps you get what you want. So the very first thing that when I was a financial planner that we would do that's different than what most people do is instead of focusing on just writing down your goals, mm-hmm. instead, let's put those goals on a timeline and let's visualize them. Now, here's the reason why this works, where writing down your goals does. not of course, we're recording this at the beginning of the year when so many people are already failing at New Year's resolutions, right? Right. right. So, So this is the way to not fail. Instead of just listing them down and here's what I want and forgetting about them, put them out visually on a timeline. We are visual creatures Mm -hmm. and our subconscious mind will work on things even when we're sleeping or we're focused on other tasks if we give it a picture. So put yourself and your family as as stick figures on one end of the line. Draw a line then across the sheet of paper to the time that we're all going to die, right? I wish it was if we're going to die, but it's a when. So until then and then put these circles when your different things are so if you've got like you and i have kids that we either put through college or want to put through college put yeah. those as circles and then what what date do i want to be financially independent if i want the ability to work part time so i spend more time with my family what's that date and start listing these dates out visually And what's cool about this, and the reason this works when other things fail is because when you show your goals in relation to each other, you start having these wonderful conversations with your spouse, with yourself, Mm -hmm. with your family about, is college important? How important is it versus these other goals? Should we be teaching our kids about how to maybe save some money themselves for college? And uh, to, to to maybe have some skin in the game for their own future, versus. And by the way. If you don't feel like that's important, that's great too. I don't mean to make a value judgment on what's important. Just I know that when I was a financial planner, some family said, I'm not paying a dime for college. I'm going to teach my kids when they enter high school, how to save every nickel for college. Mm-hmm. I know some people had a reimbursement program. I knew some people were 80, 20 I knew some people were hundred percent. They paid the whole thing. So no judgment, but what is that value and right. why are we doing it? And why is it more important than these other circles that I drew? So that's number one. Number two thing that happens is when I ask people how much they're saving and they'll laugh and they'll go, not enough, right? But but when I ask why they pick the number, what's the answer? The answer is always, well, because it's what I can afford. But my question always is, what's that going to get you? Where are you going to end up? Because it's okay to save what you can afford, but should we be saving in proportion to what we value? So mm-hmm. we, we figure out how much those goals are going to cost that are out in the future. We wind them all back to today. And then we come up with this cool equation, which is I need to save X amount of money times Y return equals the goal, which by the way, then creates a third cool thing, which is this. Everybody freaks out about all these different investments that are out there, Dave. Like there's so many investment opportunities. What what do I take advantage of? Like, what do you think about Roth IRAs? Well, that's not really an investment even, but I get that question all the time. Should should I maybe open a Roth IRA? That sounds like a good investment. Well, it's a tax shelter and you choose any investment inside of it. Or should I get into NFTs or should I get into crypto or whatever it is? Well, instead of worrying about all those things, if you begin with the timeline and you know how long it is until you need the thing, Mm -hmm. you then forget about all these other opportunities, which by the way, might be good opportunities, but they don't fit. And you zero in on the few things that fit that timeline. And then you can spend all this time you were wasting on the fear, missing out on all this other stuff. And instead go deep on these few things and really understand how they work. So when you start with that timeline of your goals, everything then falls into play. So I think that's the first thing people get wrong.
0: Absolutely. Well, Hey guys, did you did you hear what Joe said there? It sounds a lot like being intentional, which is, seems to be a theme Joe on the podcast. That's crazy talk. I mean, I it really is. With <laughs> every aspect of your life being intentional, showing up and hey, setting goals. What I like about that timeline thing too, Joe, is my wife and I homeschool, which is probably the the the, the plight of many people right now. I mean, obviously yeah. we 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 were just talking about that but uh, I mean, so we actually have a timeline over our kitchen table, in, you know, in our eating kitchen, and there's a timeline of everything that my son at six needs to know about in history, when he was born, when the Civil War was, hey, we're in Gettysburg, makes sense. But he sees that visualization. I mean, I, and I can see how that would help us too. I mean, put out the timeline of your goals in, in dad's office or something. Come in and talk about them. What does that look like? You know, what, what does it look like to reverse engineer and why are mommy and daddy Saving for this. Why is this important? Because then they can understand: hey, this is what we value, and this is what our family values. And then they can you you instill that from a very early age and you, you invite them into that conversation. And that's what you know. It, this time has been crazy, but it allows us to have those conversations now where maybe we wouldn't in the past because daddy's, you know, off to work for you know 12 hours a day, or mommy's going over here and kids are in date, whatever it is use this time, use it. You've been given it, use it wisely.
1: I love that because I think that great money management is not about the tools. And you know, I talk about tools and about spreadsheets or some of the cool FinTech apps that are on your phone that you can get, all those things. I think those are so much less relevant Mm. than the conversations that you have on an ongoing basis about money. And the more that you can talk to your family about money, and I'll give you I'll give you a good example. I used to be the dad, and I'm sure there's dads listening that were this dad. I used to be the dad that had such an issue with uh, utility bills, with mm. the electric bill. I, oh. I mean, I don't know about you, I don't know about about you, but I would come home from work, and uh, every light in the house would be on. We had two yes. televisions. Yes, they're both on.
0: Hey, no, not not interrupt, but, but- any of them, Dave. Not to interrupt, but I'm saving money now that I'm working from home all the time because I don't have to come home to that. I can turn them all off, man. <laughs> I go around, I turn lights off all day.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead.
1: It, it, it drives me crazy. No, no, but that's exactly it. But you're turning them off. But, but still, who who are you? You're the same dad that I was probably going, why are we heating the outside? Why do we have the, why do we have every light in the house on? Why don't you turn off a light (laughs) instead of that? I decided to involve them in the conversation. And here's the way that that worked. What happened was, was that I took out a sheet. I took out a sheet of paper, uh, a, um, Uh, a sheet of graph paper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my kids are old enough that the bill would come in the mail once a month. But instead of it coming once in a month, I know now a lot of people get it electronically, but still set a date and check your electric bill once a month. And we put a dot on this graph and we started playing electricity uh, uh, limbo. Like, how low can we go? Can we make the electricity bill lower? And it was just this one little thing. So instead of being a dad who's complaining and yelling and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and cajoling all the time, I made it this team project. And what was cool was, I don't even remember that we had any big, big thing. I mean, we, had, we, we would have like a pizza party or something, something really small yeah. if we were lower the next month. But it got to the point that everybody was on board with this because we talked about it. And I remember I remember getting up from watching a football game, just going to get some water in the kitchen. And I come back out. My daughter's got the my daughter's got the TV off. And she's like that. When you leave the room, you got to turn the TV off. I'm
0: like I'm That's coming great.
1: right back. You don't got to be so hardcore.
0: Yeah, uh, there's, there's milliseconds count. Come on, Dad. <laughs> yes, absolutely. but it
1: became so much more fun, you know, I mean, especially for a homeschool parent, you get the fact that these are yeah. great moments
0: that we can embrace exactly. no, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I we have my my wife especially, I mean, she's the one that does it. she's got God bless her. but um you know we we sit them down and we say, you know, this is why Daddy works, you know, daddy used to go to an office, but your daddy works in his office all day and daddy does side hustles so that we can pay for this so we that we can do this so when you don't see daddy for a while and you don't you can't knock on the door and come and see him when he's on a on a call or something this is why because we're we're trying to pay for this we're trying to pay for my son's a bit my son loves golf we try to we're paying for golf lessons or dance lessons for my for my little girl so we try to involve them as much as they can at, at six and three um, but as they get older, yeah, I mean, it, it'll definitely be a conversation and one that I think is actually built into the to the program my wife's using for them. So that's awesome.
1: Well, and um, it's funny that you it's funny you mentioned your wife, because I think those conversations are really important, too. And this is my absolutely. favorite budget for dads is it's a budget meeting and it's once uh, once a week. A lot of people do their budget meeting, Dave, once a month. I don't think that's that's quick enough because the conversations not not because we need to have a budget meeting every week. Some people give me some pushback on that. I'll tell you why I like it once a week. It's because if we have it once a week, the organic conversations we have the rest of the week kind of focus on that intentionality you're talking about and focus on um, where we're going together as a family unit, which I think is also a powerful thing. If we do it once a month, we don't have those organic conversations. So here's what we do. The rule is we keep it quick it's 20 minutes we the whole family is involved and we just scroll through our expenses on our bank app. So you scroll through your expenses. How did we spend money last week as a family? What did we do? Are there any opportunities here? And by the way, we found tons of opportunities with our phone bill, with mm. with our cable bill, uh, with you know mistakes that we had from the bank. It, it's a good example. Sure. Um, and they were never in my favor. So we'd find those things. <laughs> but then second, the second half of the meeting, we talk about how we were going to spend money the following week. That's all we do. And what's cool is we'd have the meeting over pancakes because it had to be fun. Nice. Um, and when the timer went off at 20 minutes, we were done. Like we were done. Now I knew being the money geek that that conversation would continue later on organically, but just by having this fun 20 minute meeting, it's so fantastic. We, we opened up our discussion today talking about, you know, no guilt, no shame, no, whatever, If you truly want to have a great conversation with your spouse about money, you can't shame them about their spending. You can't cajole them about their spending. You can't be the person who's great with money that's that's looking down on high. Like They're not going to react to that. It's got to be fun. It's got to be open. We all make mistakes. And so to to, to really have those deep conversations, I think that's where you got to start.
0: Absolutely. Now, one of those deep conversations, and we kind of went back and forth about this through email, could be and i would say it's one of your favorite chapters from what you told me on risk management. Oh so yeah. That's a that's a topic that isn't necessarily the one that is the sexy one that everyone wants to talk about but it's nevertheless important. So for those who are give us the non-money nerd version, <laughs> you know, 1 minute, 2 minutes of what is most important for folks to know about risk management and personal finance.
1: As dads, we're inundated with thoughts about insurance You know, if your kids are going to drive when they turn 16 or whatever, oh, man, you just think about that insurance bill going through the roof. You also get worried about your kids getting in an accident. Absolutely and them getting hurt or somebody else getting hurt you also worry about your ability to bring home the bacon right if you're if you're somebody who's out working and you're the breadwinner in your family that's difficult and then the the, the you know my brother passed away a few weeks ago and he has eight kids five of which are still at home wow. so you have to think about you know if you're a responsible dad about life insurance yes. so i just brought up a bunch of insurance stuff dave and and if your mailbox is like mine It's full of insurance companies attacking you all the time with this stuff. Yes. Here's how we get around all these discussions. And we get around it in a a powerful take charge kind of way. Forget about insurance. Instead, think like a dad about what risks are out there in my family and how do I solve them? And this becomes really powerful because we're now having a bigger conversation that insurance companies don't want us to have. Insurance companies want us to have the conversation of, hey, should I buy this insurance or not? Right. Or, or what type of insurance is best? Let's talk about this. What risks are the biggest, and how do I go on the offensive taking mm-hmm. care of those risks? And I'll tell you the number one way to take care of a lot of risk is to build an emergency fund or what would I call a cash reserve? Because I think of it more than an emergency fund. I think of it also as an opportunity fund, right? Yeah. If I find cheap plane tickets to, to some place mm-hmm. and, and my family wants to go on a vacation, I can use it for that opportunity. If it's only an emergency fund, I okay, that's not an emergency, so we can't go. No, life is about joy. So let's let's make it opportunity. So I like the term cash reserve better. But I that. But when you build your cash reserve, think about this. Now you have this risk that you might have an auto insurance claim. Well, you can self-insure some of that by raising your deductibles. People often tell me, they're like, but Joe, money in, money in a savings account earns nothing. I know it does, but think about how much money it saves you in insurance when you have it there. You can raise that deductible. Your homeowners, you can raise that deductible. A lot of people get short-term disability coverage. If I've got the first six months covered in an emergency fund, I can get rid of that insurance. That's so. What's weird is when I, and I haven't been a financial planner a long time. I was a financial planner for 16 years, but I left that, went into media 12 years ago. But I'll tell you, I always thought about things the opposite of most families. Most families were like, I'm so broke. I got to get rid of all my insurances. Do not do that. Load up on insurances, build your emergency fund. And once you get your emergency fund on place, then you can responsibly start deep sixing some of these insurance policies and putting this return on investment back in back in your pocket. Um I I really like that. The one insurance I would tell every dad to get if they're earning money that most dads don't think at all about is disability coverage. Mm. Sadly, we all worry about life insurance. Disability coverage I worry about because I've seen the statistics. And this the, the you being at home and still alive, this is very morbid, you being at home and still alive, and now you're a liability instead of somebody who is the breadwinner for your family, possibly, um, is is a huge issue. So if your wife is the breadwinner, if you're the breadwinner, and you know what? Even if you're not the primary breadwinner, if you're somebody, if you're a dad who's staying at home with the kids, if you get injured, who's gonna take care of the kids?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, so disability is, is an area that I think about a lot. Here's, he, here's actually the weird way to think about insurance. A lot of people load up on insurances that are really cheap mm-hmm. and they do it because it's cheap. Right. If you think about risk management, like an actuary, so actuaries are these people that sit in back rooms with big glass. If you're an <laughs> actuary, by the way, these people are going to hate me, but, but, and actually I love actuaries because actuaries, the people sit in back rooms, they look at all the numbers and they know what the risk is, right? Right. So actuaries actually price the policy. And when I hear people tell me that that X insurance companies ripping them off, that probably isn't happening, Dave. Yeah. And the reason it's not happening is because insurance companies number one are regulated by the state and you might be able to put something by a regulator for a year, two years, three years, but you can't put something by a regulator for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. So the reason why you're paying a ton for a certain type of insurance is because that person in the back room, the actuary, thinks that this is a big risk. So the way I think about risk management, not about buying insurance, but about risk management is the insurance policies that cost a lot are the risks that I want to think most about. And the ones that are really cheap are the ones that I want to pay attention to. And I'll give you one that's really cheap that everybody pays attention to on their flex benefits. Accidental death and dismemberment insurance. If you're somebody that works a desk job in an office or you work from home, accidental death and dismemberment says that if you like lose an eye or a limb or an arm, like what's the chance all of a sudden I'm going to slash my finger on my keyboard
0: Carpal tunnel, man. Come on.
1: Maybe. Right. (laughs) Maybe. But that insurance is super cheap for a reason. Get rid of that insurance and instead spend that money on life insurance or on beefing up the disability part, which, by the way, is much more expensive. So the way that I would often find insurance money for people that didn't think they had any, which was we would start off with what risks are biggest And then we would rearrange the deductibles so that we covered the things that were most important. I'll give you one more example.
0: Yeah, please.
1: Homeowners versus car insurance. Car insurance, way more important for most of us than our home. But if we think about it also for most of us, which assets cost more? The house. Right. So why the heck is homeowners insurance so much less costly then car insurance. Well, I just went through it. It's because the chance of you getting a car accident is much bigger than something happening in your house. So if you're going to raise a deductible, raise the deductible on your homeowners, because the chance that that will happen is less and lower the deductible on your car insurance, because you're probably going to use it.
0: Wow, man, you, you've definitely given us a lot to think about there. But you know, one of the things that stuck out, obviously, all the, all the insurance raising the deductibles, but you talked about cash reserve. Yeah. And I want to I want to focus on that because I think you know you can pay some of those high deductibles you can pay for those plane tickets that you talked about or hopefully you know God forbid something happens to your car you got to get it fixed you know you got to pay for something but um, let's talk about side hustles and you you mentioned something I think it was page fifty six if I remember correctly you said that the sharing economy actually might not be our friend. Now, mm. as you know, I mean, I, I do dad devotionals here. I do this podcast, guys, but you also are probably familiar with my work at runthemoney.com. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of side hustles. Um, but, you know, you mentioned sharing economy, how it might not be our friend, you know, things like driving for Uber or or delivering food, food with DoorDash or something like that. So why is that? And why is maybe, say, starting your own side business based on some kind of skill you have or something like that? Why might that be a better bet for us?
1: Yeah. Now d- don't take this the wrong way. Cause if you're just paying off Christmas debt, if you're paying off Christmas debt, short term, you could probably make DoorDash or Uber, whatever work,
0: sure.
1: but there are more and more people in academia that are running the numbers showing that you have to really, really, really do a lot of math to make money driving for Uber. Mm-hmm. And most of us aren't as good at math as we think we are because we don't understand things like depreciation on our vehicle or what the costs are, uh, time versus, you know, the time cost to our family or whatever it might be. uh, uh, Gasoline, upkeep on the vehicle, all these different things uh, weigh in. And what ends up happening is the overlords that run these companies in Silicon Valley are keeping a lot of the money for themselves. This is how bad it's gotten, by the way, for people to think that I'm not being truthful here. Domino's Pizza Over the Christmas time, I don't know if you saw this, Dave, but over Christmas time, they ran a commercial that said, hey, here's what happens when you use DoorDash. DoorDash takes away money from the restaurant because they demand a discount and they don't pay the driver hardly anything to keep more money for themselves. So Domino's Pizza ran an ad that said, if you don't buy Domino's, buy from your local place and go pick it up yourself. Wow. Domino's is talking about their competitors that way. This is how bad it's gotten. And yet, whenever I talk about this, I invariably get emails from people going, Hey, you don't got to stank on the little guy. No, I'm protecting the little guy. Yeah. The little guy's getting screwed. They're getting screwed. So, yeah. even though it's not as lucrative up front, if you start an Etsy shop, which by the way, also is Silicon Valley, but still they're working with these creators to set up these shops online. So maybe you do woodworking like a friend of mine with an Etsy shop. He makes good money on uh, on Etsy. Another uh, friend of mine works online once again, buys Facebook ads. And it just has a Facebook page making these awesome cutting boards. And by the way, for people, nobody's going to be able to see this, but you and me, but check this out. is the awesome cutting boards my buddy makes.
0: Oh wow, that's pretty impressive. I got to get one myself. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: For people that can't see it, this is this is huge. It's a stacking Benjamin's of big letters. It's a multi grain. It is just quality, quality stuff. Well, send, makes- me
0: the, send me the shop. I'll be happy to link it up in the show notes for everyone to check it out.
1: It's fantastic. He's keeping Texarkana alive, in my awesome. hometown. So yeah, J- <laughs> Jason and his wife Leslie. They Excellent. do it by the way as a husband and wife project. It's great. But my point is. Okay, there were some setup costs to do that. There's some there's some getting into business costs, but it is there's so much more you you keep the profit yourself. You own the IP yourself. Right. You can then grow it yourself. So you're getting you're getting not only the profit like you would driving for Uber, mm-hmm. but it's yours and you also own it and the chance for bigger money down the road is much, much bigger as you get these repeat customers. If I drive for Uber and you're like, oh man, I had Joe, that great Uber driver. It's very, and I know people that do this, they find the same Uber person all the time. It's very, very hard to get that customer back. It is not because it's not your customer. It's Uber's customer. So business will get easier if you set up your own side hustle versus going to work uh, short-term for somebody else. But like I said, if you just need to pay off some short-term debt, Go ahead and 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 get in bed with the overlords. <laughs> Otherwise, I think it's much more fulfilling to do your own thing.
0: Joe, we're just about out of time. Um, I, I love that answer, guys. I will be coming out with more content about starting side hustles and doing things like that. You can also check out runthemoney.com. You can check out Joe's podcast, check out the book. But as I said, we are running out of time, but I want you to give the moms and dads out there who just need a little bit of motivation to get started. Maybe they're completely overwhelmed by some of the things we talked about here. Where can they start?
1: There's a great quote that said the best time to plant a tree was, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, but if you can't do that, which none of us can, plant the tree now. And it's really cool. We, we interviewed this couple on our podcast uh, who hadn't saved a dime until they were 50. And they retired at 60. In 10 years, they went from zero to hero, so to speak, uh, which is really cool. So even though it feels slow, even though it feels difficult, doing that work, doing that early foundational work is so great. While you might think initially you're like, oh, wow, now my friends will respect me. Everybody will look at me differently. Yeah, that'll happen. But you know what's cool? The cool thing is internally, Mm -hmm. you're now proud of yourself and now you know that your money's following your values. And if you if you forget about the NFT stuff and the crypto stuff, and and, and don't get me wrong, those can be fine. Um, but I feel like a lot of that mania is people that want to just win the lottery so they don't have to do the foundation. There is There is goodness in doing the hard work. There's pride in doing the hard work. And I think that getting out there and getting after it, knowing you're going to screw up, and just getting back up and doing it again is is a pretty powerful thing. And then, you know, like me, I was screwing up big time in the early 90s. And now I'm here talking to you, Dave, about how fun this is and how you can do it. I think if I can do it, anybody can do it. As people have heard, I'm not the smartest guy on earth. So <laughs> so, so, if I could do it, you could definitely do it. So just go get started.
0: Absolutely. A- amen, brother. And what I, what I love about this conversation today, too, guys, is how we involve the family. We involve the wife. We involve the kids and we help hopefully help them not make the same money mistakes we've made through our 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on. So take that lesson to heart. Joe, I love this, but we got to go. Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Find the book, find the podcast.
1: Yes, you can find the book wherever books are are on sale. I mean, it is fantastic. I was so excited when Penguin Random House, their Avery imprint, decided to take us up on this project, me and my co-author, Emily guy Um So you can find that anywhere. I'll tell you, if you're just beginning on the journey and you're in a big hole like I was, you won't be able to dog ear it or write in it like I like to do with my books. So go get it at the library though, and then read the first few chapters, implement those, and then you can afford your own and then go buy it and then you can dog ear it. So that's anywhere. The podcast, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Dave, as you know, it's the greatest money show on earth. We call it that because it's a total total circus. It is the greatest money show on earth. We do a lot of financially adjacent topics. We have talked to uh, some of my favorites are uh, Abigail Adams, Investing Badass. I thought that one was really good fun to learning about how Abigail Adams was just this phenomenal investor. I also like uh, stories about some of the the the, the great men out there. PT Barnum. Mm, uh, we did yeah. a we did a story about PT Barnum and how great that was. Uh, we just talked to Daniel Lamar, who's the CEO, longtime CEO of Cirque du Soleil, about adding creativity to your life. So every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we try to hit you where you don't expect. So come join us when you're done with your dad devotionals.
0: Love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, man. This was enlightening for me. I, I had a blast. I mean, you, you, this is fun. You can tell you're you're a podcaster, just, you know, shooting the breeze here, talking money, talking about being a dad, being a parent. I, I, I want to have you on again very soon. Thank you so much. And uh, take care. Good luck with everything.
1: Thanks a ton, Dave. This was great. God bless you.
0: Thank you for listening to Dad Devotionals with me dave domzowski please remember to subscribe to the podcast leave us a review and also email us at daddevotionals at gmail.com and follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash dad devotionals and also youtube.com slash dad devotionals make sure to subscribe like us do whatever you got to do to stay in touch thank you for listening